I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I'm as free as a bird now. And that bird you cannot change. It's high noon for Monday, July 5th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or Join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and on the brand spanking new app getter at I'm your moderator. The merch site is www.cancelcouture.com. Today is the 166th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, communists. You celebrated a great people's release from the shackles of colonization by talking about how everything is actually terrible here. That's right. Just right from the top. Democrat Communist Party members like Representative Cory Bush and Representative Maxine Waters took to Twitter to tell us all how unworthy America actually is and about how they're going to fix it. They're going to usher in the new age where America can be not America anymore. And perhaps it'll just be somewhere else like part of China. It'll be the global communist state of America. That's exactly what they want. And we also had some videos, Georgetown students talking about how they were ashamed of America, how they couldn't feel proud of America, how they would gladly give up their American citizenship because, you know, they could still vacation here if they really wanted to. There's no point in actually being a citizen of America. And these are people at one of the nation's premier universities, we are told. There was also a really incredible video uh, that some TikTok moron posted. I don't know who she is or why she is, but she started going off about how, you know, she's oppressed because she is a looks mixed racial, biracial, perhaps. But if she happens to be just black, then she is an extremely light skinned black girl. Not that it matters, except to people like her. She announced that white people don't like flavors, you know, flavors, the way food tastes. We just, we eat leaves and branches, apparently. Only people with melanin in their skin like flavors. That's her theory. I don't imagine that's true. I think the French and the Italians might have something to say about that. I would guess that the people in the United Kingdom do not. So maybe she has a point. But hey, how about this? All kinds of different people have all kinds of different things they like. But one thing most people don't like is having someone else identify them with a group and then tell them how they are based on the way that person thinks the group is. Most people don't really like that. In fact, I'd say that's a pretty flavorless way to go through life. Assuming that all things of one kind, as you define them, are all the same, that doesn't leave a lot of room for flavor, does it, Kami? Maybe I'm confused. But it occurred to me in watching all of these 
sad and sick displays of anti-Americanism, anti-patriotism, anti-humanism, that there is something much deeper that is wrong with these people. And it has absolutely nothing to do with their skin color. None of this has anything to do with skin color for anyone on our side. We don't care who the hell you are or where you came from or how you identify. We don't care about your sex life at all. We just want to know if you will stand up for the truth and stand up for your country. Or if you're one of these sorts of people who likes to spread and generate hate and division and would gladly turn us into the brown shirts when they come knocking. That's all we care about. Got it? There's no violence. There's no hate. If there is racism, most of us don't see it at all. So what is your point again, Kami? You are literally saying that all white people don't like flavors and you're calling us racist. You have Robin D'Angelo out there writing a book called Nice Racism and you can't see where it's going. But you read it. It'll probably be required reading at Georgetown pretty soon. Although I'm guessing all of the little Zoomer basic bitches that were interviewed in that video, they probably all got an advanced copy. But, you know, I was thinking about this and it really is incredible. Like, what is going on with these people? Okay. And I think it might be that these complainers, these constant complainers, they hate America because their complaints would sound absolutely ludicrous if they were forced to account for how genuinely lucky they are to have grown up American. If they actually had to account for how much less happy they would be in their kind of materialistic world image, if they happen to be in one of the very noble wastelands that they always tout as somehow a success but simultaneously a place that needs saving. Like imagine these people grew up in the Congo or Venezuela or Palestine or most of China for that matter. I wonder how many Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang would come over here and talk about how America is so unjust and so awful and they would gladly relinquish their citizenship. I'm guessing it's zero. But these Georgetown girls, Corey Bush, that doesn't even play in the conversation. Because if they actually accounted for how genuinely lucky they were to be in America, as compared to all the places that they talk about, that they feign knowledge about, they would sound like even to one another, even to other commies, they would sound totally uneducated, right? Totally unworldly. They would be just displaying their ignorance about the rest of the world and about how other people in the world live. All of these people are in the global 1%, right? What are they complaining about? They're not smart, these people. They don't read. They don't study except for theory, right? They go to college. They take their little gender course. They take their little race course. They take some sociology They read some feminist authors and they come out of there with a degree that is not useful for anything other than repeating party slogans to the public. These people are intellectually lazy. They're spoiled. They're pampered. They're entitled. And that is exactly how they would look even to other communists if they were forced to account for how nice they actually have it here. So they will never do that. It's impossible with any sense of perspective at all to pretend to have problems and complaints so large and so important when your actual problems are so small. Georgetown costs like $50,000 a year to attend. Now, a lot of those girls that were interviewed probably didn't go in poor. 
But you can bet 10 years from now they will be because they're going to be saddled unless their parents are really rich. They're going to be saddled with considerable debt. And they'll have absolutely no marketable skills whatsoever to be able to earn the money to pay off that debt. And worse than that, they will find it offensive that they are even expected to work to pay it off. And you think I'm slighting them somehow or generalizing. And maybe on some level, I am generalizing, obviously. There are plenty of hardworking kids in college, I have no doubt. Unfortunately, they're being taught terrible things. But one of Bernie Sanders' main campaign agenda items was paying off all college debt. Why? Because these college kids have been trained to think that they don't need to work to pay off the debt. College should have been free because now they are suitable justice warriors. They are here to help society. They didn't go to college so that they could get jobs and provide an income for a family. They went to college so that they could be warriors for the better society, the communist society. And it ultimately comes down to this. Complaining about America, calling America evil, is much, much easier than these people training themselves out of this debilitating combination of malignant character traits. It's not easy to become unlazy or unentitled. Those are the sorts of things that stick, especially if you carry them with you into adulthood or learn them in your young adulthood. Now, luckily, this last year and a half has woken up a whole lot of people to their level of entitlement to how much they take this country and everything it means at a base level for granted. And I count myself among these people, by the way. Not the Georgetown girls, of course, but people who really didn't have a full sense of how much we have and how easy it is to lose. So as much as I can't stand watching these videos, and it saddens me that people like this exist in the world while everyone else is trying to fight to preserve this, even for ungrateful people. It's a good call to remember how lucky we actually are. And so I hope you guys had a nice uh, 4th of July weekend. I hope you got out there and celebrated, waved some flags, ate some food, saved 16 cents. Or I hope that if you took a relaxing long weekend to just recoup and recover, get your energy back, get in a positive frame of mind for this next week of work. Either way, I hope that you at least took a moment to appreciate how lucky all of us are because we really are lucky. And with that, I want to extend a warm Monday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. I don't know how you started listening to the show, my fair communist, but it could be that you were just walking around the streets of Los Angeles and you heard my voice blaring out of Farron's open window. Could be that. And if it is, just park yourself right on the sidewalk. Maybe you're in a part of town that doesn't have... Homeless people already taking up the whole sidewalk. They are hard to find, but I hear they're still available. Just stand there for a few minutes. Listen in. You might have to deal with a little bit of mocking and ridicule, but in a few days of listening to the show, you will actually realize that I'm mocking and ridiculing very stupid and evil ideas. And the extent to which you feel mocked and ridiculed personally is the extent to which you identify with those very stupid and evil ideas. So what I'm trying to convince you of, my redeemable communist friend, is that you need to let go of all those stupid and evil commie ideas, grow a full-size adult brain, and migrate right on back to America, where we will be happy to welcome you with open arms so long 
as you never become a communist again and you make amends with all of the people you were awful to prior to your return to America. And that's it. It's so simple. Joe Biden celebrated the 4th of July weekend by proclaiming that the most patriotic thing you can do is to get vaccinated. Well, hey, Joe, the most patriotic thing you can do is admit that you cheated in the election and immediately resign because each moment you spend pretending to be president is one the nation absolutely cannot afford. I've said this before. I will continue to say it over and over and over again. The greatest possible national security threat to the United States of America is to have an illegitimate president pretending to run the country, especially one who is in obviously the late stages of dementia to the point where he needs to take out note cards to answer the questions of the workers at an ice cream shop. And that is not a joke. There's this video from, I think, Friday, and it's like really disturbing. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It's genuinely disturbing to see a man who is pretending to be United, the president of the United States of America go and get ice cream for the hundredth time. And a woman behind the counter asks him about Russian hacking. And he takes his note cards from the inside pocket of his suit jacket to attempt to answer their question. He claimed that he had just been briefed about it on the plane as he came in. So that's why he doesn't really know the facts. It may be the Russians, but it also may not be the Russians. But I think it's the Russians. But who knows if Vladimir Putin's involved, but it's from Russia for sure. And it's not us. It's certainly not the CIA. It's a very big problem that we're not quite ready to handle yet. And we haven't figured out who's doing it. But it is or isn't the Russians. Oh, thanks, Joe. Thanks for looking out for us, Joe. You're on our side. We're with Joe. He also stumbled through an orchard in Michigan. Talking about how he would get in trouble. If he talked too much about one subject or another. It turns out that maybe his best answer was the one he gave about Afghanistan on Friday, that he's just simply not going to answer any questions until next week when he's allowed to say those things. He doesn't want any negative questions crowding his already very feeble mind. Donald Trump, on the other hand, celebrated the 4th of July weekend by having an absolutely massive rally in Sarasota, Florida, that I've seen numbers like 45,000. I don't know if it was that high. I can't tell like from an eyeball view, maybe it looked like 10 or 15,000, but that's just what I could see on the cameras. Maybe we'll get like a full count of that. But I do know that people were lined up for like a mile waiting to get in and they all stood there throughout a rainstorm to watch him speak. And the speech was probably the most powerful one that he has given in 2021. There were a few really interesting things he said. One of them, I think, is that he ran down a list of things that it turns out he's been right about and the mainstream media was wrong about. And he ended that by saying, I wonder what they'll find out I was right about next. Perhaps it's the election. And I believe it's going to be. And that will be awesome. It's coming, though. Trump is on it. There's not like some scenario where Trump just says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I was wrong the entire time. Joe Biden legitimately won. And I guess we should. All go home. That's not going to happen because Joe Biden didn't legitimately win. And none of us are going to stop saying it. We're the majority now. You got to understand that. Less than half of the country now believes that Joe Biden is a legitimate president. 
Don't kid yourself. Everyone knows Trump won. They'll make all the excuses they want. They'll say they don't believe it. They'll show you how it was debunked, but it wasn't debunked. None of it has been debunked. Now, I just want to call your attention to one thing. I don't want to go deep into it, but I wrote an email to someone I love and care about very much, and they don't believe in election fraud, and they had challenged some information I was sending their way, and sent me back some articles, you know, saying the opposite of my viewpoint. And so I wanted to answer their claims in a very complete and and in-depth manner, right? So I wrote out a couple long emails, and if you want to read them, I have posted them on the Substack. It's uh, imyourmoderator.substack.com. And it's you don't have to be a paid subscriber to read what I posted on Saturday. If you need proof, if you need like a whole argument about election fraud and about the audits, I think maybe you'll get something from that. And if it works, if it's something that you can send to other people to convince them, then please do it. Because as I've said a million times, the most important thing here is to get as many people to see the truth as possible before the truth becomes publicly apparent to everyone, right? If you're able to plant those seeds of doubt, if people understand there's a chance that they could be wrong, then they are the ones who are most likely to realize the truth at a certain moment and respond in a positive way to it rather than completely losing their minds, all right? So maybe this will provide some measure of help in achieving that goal. But you also have to do it with the full understanding that people are really disinclined to wake up, especially if they're, if they've dug their heels in at this point. And so you just send the information along and you leave it out there. Don't try to argue. Don't get emotional. Just hope that they can see what you're showing them and then let them be. All right. Unfortunate as it is, people are still going to come to this at their own pace. Now, another thing about Trump's speech the other night. So right side broadcasting network, RSBN, they got a flag on YouTube the day before the rally so that they were locked out from posting live content for a week, which means they couldn't carry the Trump rally on YouTube. You don't need to be a genius to understand what happened there. YouTube flagged them after they carried the last rally and they wanted to make sure that people couldn't use the RSBN platform on YouTube to watch this rally. So RSBN simply did their live broadcast on Rumble. And at one point in Trump's speech, they nearly broke 400,000 viewers watching live, which is way more than I have ever seen on their YouTube or anyone else's, which, you know, makes me think perhaps that YouTube has been keeping people's numbers down. I don't know if that's true or not, but this is a big, big number. Nearly 400,000 people watching, watching live. And of course, people have shared all sorts of clips. This thing's going very wide. That is a good indication of the online presence and power Donald Trump has and we have, despite the fact that Donald Trump has been locked out of all of the legacy social media platforms. Now, another thing that Trump said that I do want to keep an eye on is this about a U.S. attorney in Philadelphia. We have a U.S. attorney in Philadelphia that says he wasn't allowed to go and check Philadelphia. That's a big statement. I'll tell you who didn't allow him someday. I'll do it at my next rally. But can you imagine this? Because, you know, we have a deep state, too, in this country. And a deep state, they work with the Democrats and the Republicans. And those are the Republicans I don't like. In fact, those are Republicans that, in many ways, are worse than the Democrats, okay? They're worse. If Mitch McConnell had the courage and the guts 
And if he was a real leader, he would have wanted to look into all the corruption that took place. He knew about it. During the presidential election, a lot of these people sitting over here, they looked into it and they said, that's real. Got that? So someone prevented the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia from looking into the election. And Trump is planning on telling us exactly what happened there at his next rally. That's a very interesting piece of information and one that's worth all of us looking into, I imagine. I'm not sure that we can find an answer to that yet, but we might be able to. Either way, that's going to be a really interesting answer because we know that a lot of things happened on election night that had to have been ordered by someone, right? Someone or many people, likely many people, were kind of directing the fraud scheme and making sure that people couldn't look into it or find the answers. You know, somebody gave the order for those states to stop counting on election night. Just four states stopped counting at the same time. Why? How is it possible that people on the communist side aren't interested in why that happened. Because they were just watching the election and the news told them it was okay. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's going to take us a while. Why? Florida and Ohio and Texas had answers on election night. Those are big states. They're all supposed to be so-called swing states, or at least that's what we were told about the 2020 election. They had to deal with mail-in ballots, not everywhere, not universally, but they had to do it. They had to count them. How did it happen that they did their jobs and got it done on election night? And so many states took days or weeks to deliver their final answers. And we know that they were just adding in votes that entire time. Trucks coming in with votes. Ballots being run through over and over again. Remember, Fulton County was one of the places shut down. They were supposed to stop counting the vote. Not long after they did, Ruby Freeman, her daughter, Wandria Shea Moss, Ralph Jones, they were all in that room, pulled a suitcase of ballots from out from under a table and fed them through a machine over and over again. Counted those votes. We don't have to pretend that didn't happen. Someone ordered that. Now, I wonder if it's the same person that Trump is referring to. And I have a feeling that among the top potential candidates for that position is human election fraud machine Stacey Abrams. But we'll find out. We think about Stacey Abrams being just Georgia. But why? Stacey Abrams isn't an office holder in Georgia. Stacey Abrams lost in her race for governor. Stacey Abrams is a human election fraud machine. And you can't confine a human election fraud machine to Georgia. I was also thinking while watching the rally, man, it is amazing that Trump gets these crowds. The people hang on every word. They applaud. They are 100% into it, laughing, having fun. It's kind of like a concert. Except Trump draws better than most musicians, which could be why they hate him so much. Trump basically decides he's going to have a rally somewhere and he immediately gets half a Coachella to show up for him. It's got to be kind of embarrassing to uh, Cardi B, right? (laughs) And the people that show up to Trump's rallies have jobs that aren't influencer. So the end of last week, Ken Bennett, who's the liaison for the Maricopa County audit in Arizona, came out and was being interviewed, I think maybe by John Fredericks. But he mentioned that the Arizona auditors have the packet captures. And it's the kind of thing that we've heard packet captures a few times. We know that that's in Lindell's hands. And. My my first instinct was to kind of just let it pass and be like, oh, cool. But I thought about it some more. I actually thought about it while I was writing that email that I referenced earlier. 
And sometimes that's how writing is for me. You know, I have an idea that I start with and then I get going. And then just because you're so focused on fully explaining your ideas, that new ideas come into being while you're doing it. That's part of the process that it's the way it's always been for me. Sometimes writing is a way of actively thinking about a subject. And so I was, I was mentioning the packet captures and mentioning the fact that Ken Bennett had them. And I realized, wait a second, right? If Ken Bennett has these packet captures now, either the people who gave Lindell the packet captures also gave them to the Arizona auditors or Lindell himself and his team gave them to the Arizona auditors. Now, let's remember how the Arizona audit, the Maricopa County audit, came to be. The Senate decided they wanted the audit. There was resistance put up by the Democrat Communist Party and its lawyers and even the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, which they continue to tell us, they always tell us, is four to one Republican. And these are, you know, McCain Republicans, a.k.a. global communists. So the Senate goes through the litigation. A judge is in support of the Arizona audit. Judge, the judge has allowed it to go forward. And there's more litigation to come, of course. But unless I'm mistaken, the process, once they get the report, is that the judge reviews it and then the Senate will decide to release it to the public. All right. So if the Arizona auditors now have that packet capture information, that means that right now the packet capture information is either in the hands of that judge or on the way to that judge as part of the Arizona Senate's audit of Maricopa County. Okay. So the point I'm trying to make is that the, the audit is already a legal proceeding. It's already in the courts. It's already sanctioned by the courts and it's being done under the purview of the Arizona Senate. It's not just this weird circumstance where a bunch of QAnons are counting up the ballots and they're going to present a magic number that will trick the whole world into believing the big lie. And then the whole world will fall apart. We'll lose all our faith in democracy and everything will be chaos and gnashing of teeth. That's not what's happening. This is a proper state sanctioned legal proceeding in front of a judge. So let's assume that Mike Lindell's team were the ones to pass the packet capture information to the Arizona Senate and enter this evidence into the Arizona audit, right? Again, I'm telling you what my assumptions are, okay? You don't have to believe me. I'm thinking about this situation and sharing it with you to see if my mild speculation maps onto reality, okay? So the packet capture information is, is now in the hands of the Arizona auditors. Mike Lindell, his team, very likely introduced that evidence to the Arizona Senate and now into the audit. If that's the case, then Lindell's evidence is already part of an active legal proceeding, right? We're focused down the road on this evidence being introduced to the Supreme Court, likely in a quo warranto, which he mentioned again today on the war room. And at that point, we'll have to see if the judges will hear the case. Because as we know from January, we were told by the Supreme Court, seven to two, that Ken Paxton and the attorneys general from, I think, 19 other states didn't have standing to challenge the election, right? If the packet capture evidence is looked at and confirmed by the Arizona auditors and it is upheld by this judge as valid evidence, 
I suppose we don't have a whole lot of worries about whether or not it will be upheld and go to the Supreme Court, do we? Because the evidence will have already been entered into an actual legal proceeding. And if the evidence is verified, if it is challenged and supported, if it is found to be correct, accurate, irrefutable, as we expect, then that's kind of the end game, isn't it? And again, I could be wrong. I'm not an attorney. But it would seem to me that if the evidence withstood scrutiny in the Arizona audit, in a legal proceeding, and that evidence was verified, what can the Supreme Court say at that point? Right? If the evidence is already verified when they get it, if it's already been put under scrutiny and no one can deny its validity, then what do we have in the Supreme Court? They have to take it or they can cause an absolute mess by not taking it and allowing the country to understand full well that the fake president is indeed a fake president and totally illegitimate. And the Supreme Court would then be seen as just people who are actively supporting an illegitimate president staying in office. And, you know, if you think that that sounds like one too many dimensions of the multi-dimensional chess game, maybe you're right. But maybe this is exactly how they're intending it to go, right? So some analysts mentioned last week that maybe the reason that Karen Fan and the state Senate hadn't pushed on their subpoena that the Board of Supervisors was actually in contempt of when they held back the logons, the servers, election machines, passwords, whatever, because Dominion had all that. They may have delayed litigating that and trying to enforce that until the actual count, the hand count and the ballot examination was over. And that makes sense because they didn't want that part of the audit to be slowed down at all. That part of the audit is now over and we're seeing new elements to the audit, new phases of the audit. They're going to get into the canvas. They're going to probably litigate this stuff. We'll see how they handle the board of supervisors. We'll see how they handle dominion. But this too would be another new phase. They didn't talk about these packet captures the entire time. Now, maybe they didn't have access to them. Maybe they just didn't want to bring it up. But they brought it up now. And so if they have that information that shows foreign interference, that shows malicious actors accessing the election in Maricopa County, and the evidence is irrefutable, what does that say about the rest of the packet captures around the country? I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that Mike Lindell has what he says he has. I have a source that's really relatively close to that situation who confirms for me that he has what he says he has. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm not going to name the source. It's up to you to decide whether or not you believe me. You don't have to take a wait and see approach. I won't be offended. But I believe he has exactly what he says he has. How stupid would it be for Lindell to hand over his evidence to the Arizona auditors if the evidence isn't real or isn't right, isn't verifiable. That would be really stupid. Now, every communist on the planet thinks Mike Lindell is stupid. I don't think they're right about that. I would like to see many of those communists show up and detail exactly how much more competent they are than Mike Lindell and in what way. Because that's a guy who's turned his entire life around and built a massive American manufacturing company. I don't know too many communists who could do that. In fact, I probably don't know any communists who could do that. Most communists are just good at 
taking pictures for Instagram and having mental breakdowns on the Internet. And then consider how important Mike Lindell believes his evidence to be right. Not saying that you have to think anything about his evidence, but you do have to understand that Mike Lindell believes his evidence is the most important thing in the world, right? Information that could break the world. That's what he believes he has. Is Mike Lindell going to be careless with that evidence? Knowing that that very same evidence would be the basis for his quo warranto case that he would then bring to the Supreme Court. Is Mike Lindell just going to give that evidence away to irresponsible people? I don't think so. That would be incredibly stupid. Is Mike Lindell going to enter his information as evidence into an active legal proceeding in Arizona if he doesn't believe that it is fully verified and irrefutable? I don't think so. Maybe Mike Lindell is stupid, but he sure doesn't seem like it to me. And honestly, I wonder what goes on in the heads of all these communist bloggers who write for Newsweek and Vox and the Washington Post. Like, do they ever think, wow, man, for conspiracy theorists, these guys, they really know their stuff. Like, man, these conspiracy theorists are really taking their conspiracy theories seriously. Holy moly, these conspiracy theorists now have an eight-month-long court battle going on over their conspiracy theories. Why don't they ever consider that? I mean, I guess you could say that Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell and all of the Democrat communists tried this with the Mueller investigation, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, the Ukraine hoax, etc. Of course, they invented the scenario, they invented the evidence, and they ran the investigation, and still, it didn't work. And I don't think Adam Schiff and his panicking appearances on television lately speak to the validity of their conspiracy theory. But this is a lot of serious people putting themselves completely on the line by doing this. It's odd to me that these bloggers don't ever think, hey, uh, maybe they're not just trying to trick the public. What a silly Silly idea they're all pursuing. They they literally can't change course either because they kind of lock themselves in to a position that they should have known would be impossible to hold on to. They basically thought the sheer force of mainstream media would overpower Lindell and Giuliani and Trump and Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood and Mike Flynn and all of us. Or they thought they would just run out the clock and people would stop caring. And then everybody would just get away with it, go on their merry way, live to fight another day in 2022 with more fake elections. But that's not what happened. And they are continuing to use the same tactics. Just call everything a conspiracy theory. Say that everything has been debunked. It's like the harder they say things are debunked, the more true they are. And the tone of their articles just keeps getting more desperate and more panicked and more reliant on a series of things that, you know, quote unquote, everybody knows. Everybody knows the voting machines are not connected to the Internet. Really? Who knows that? What you're saying is that all of you guys decided to believe that the machines aren't connected to the internet simply because Dominion CEO John Poulos said in a hearing in Michigan back in, I think, December that the machines weren't connected. You took his word for it, and you consider that a debunking. The only way to show that the machines weren't connected to the internet is by showing that the machines could not be connected to the internet and weren't. They haven't shown that. 
They've just had John Pulo say it and everyone else repeat it. But Democrats themselves have said it. They've said all these things. In that email I wrote, I implored the person I was emailing to go ahead and watch the documentary Kill Chain. It's on HBO right now. It's amazing to me that commies haven't watched that. How do they still have enough other stuff to watch? Most of these people have done nothing but watch television for the last year and a half while cowering in their homes. How did they not just accidentally put on Kill Chain? They could see exactly how all of this happens, but they don't care to because watching that will change their opinions and they don't want their opinions changed because what they care about most is maintaining their membership in the party of false decorum. They don't want to say the no-no words because then the people around them will know they're the kind of person that says the no-no words and then they'll be punished socially. And that's too much for a lot of people to deal with. And so Lindell was on the war room this morning. He has announced his cyber symposium. It's going to be August 10th, 11th, and 12th in South Dakota. And it's not a public event. What he's doing is he's inviting media and politicians and uh, certified cyber experts to come to this event. He's going to put the evidence out there with his white hat hackers. And he's going to allow the evidence to be tested in public. If people want to shoot him down, they're going to have a wide open forum to do it. So that is what five weeks from now. And what will people say then? He's just lying. He's going to have all those cyber experts there from around the world and around the country. And they'll just all agree with him because they're in on it. He's going to allow the whole thing to be open for questions It's totally transparent. He's going to broadcast it. What are the debunkers going to do then if the world's cyber experts can't challenge what he has? Now, maybe they can. You know, I'm not qualified to tell you whether or not his evidence is real and if he hasn't made mistakes anywhere. But like I said, I have a source. I trust my source. And I believe my source and my source says it's locked in. So I have a feeling that Mike Lindell is going to make a whole lot of people look real foolish that weekend or that week. And how will they respond? The interesting thing is we might be past that point by the time we get to it, right? It's going to be great for him to go out and show all that evidence to the world. But the wheels are already in motion. We're talking about five weeks, okay? 35, 36 days. And actually, you know what? I bet it's 35. It probably starts on a Monday. Didn't look. I could look. Not gonna. If you care, you look. Just open that calendar app. You'll love it. Could I have looked and told you in the time that I described what you should do? Yeah, I could have. Still, not going to. Am I probably going to be off by a day? Yup. Did I just look and find out that I am off by a day? Also, yeah. (laughs) That did not go as planned. Now, Mike Lindell has a history as a gambler. He was a card counter. And, you know, maybe his only game was blackjack. But when you're a card player, you kind of mess around with the whole thing. You know, the gamblers I know, they like to play blackjack they like to play poker they want to play roulette they'll play war in a casino just because it's fun and they like to gamble i'm guessing mike lindell knows at least a little something about playing poker so could mike lindell be bluffing that's the real question would mike lindell put his company his own reputation potentially his own life And millions and millions and millions of his own dollars and subject himself to legal proceedings from Dominion and others on a bluff. Is that what he's going to push out onto the table? Just all in 
even though he knows he's outnumbered by the other side. He has to know what he has, right? Otherwise, he would be a madman. He goes out on television all the time talking about what he has. He produces videos talking about what he has. You can read the articles that say what he has has been debunked and then read the debunkings, and they are nothing close to that. I read one this morning that said all Mike Lindell has is publicly available data about voter registrations and population, as if they took that little piece from Dr. Frank's explanations in the Lindell videos and acted like that's all Lindell is saying he has. And, by the way, avoided the part where the algorithm really does fit all those curves that Dr. Frank says he has. So if everyone's saying that Mike Lindell's stuff has been debunked, yet everywhere they point you to a debunking doesn't debunk it, what are you supposed to think about those people saying it's been debunked? My first thought is, well, those people are either stupid or ignorant or lying. I'm not sure there are any other options there. So even based on their reaction alone, I would give more credence to what Lindell's saying. He's making claims. They're saying the claims are refuted. They haven't refuted them. Why is that? They obviously want to refute the claims. They obviously want you to believe the claims are refuted. Wouldn't the best possible way to achieve their goals be to actually go and refute his claims but they're not doing that they're calling him a conspiracy theorist they're trying to silence him they're trying to shut him down dominion is suing him for like 1.3 billion dollars even though he's countersuing that or not countersuing them he is separately suing them and his case is being allowed to proceed that's a whole lot of stuff for a conspiracy theorist to be doing when their only goal is sowing the seeds of this conspiracy and trying to convince the nation of something untrue. What a massive effort that would be to do something so pointless and so obviously malicious. Does Mike Lindell seem malicious? Not to me, doesn't. Is his goal really to deceive more than half of the American public? No, sure doesn't seem to be. And why in the world would we even consider that he might be the one with the goal of deceiving us when the people saying that's his goal are the people arguing for masks? You know, people like Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci. Well, let's talk about a specific here. We know Mississippi is one of the lowest, I believe it's the, the lowest vaccinated, uh, has the lowest vaccinated race uh, rate in the country. You are in Biloxi, Mississippi right now, Dr. Fauci. Would you be wearing a mask? You're fully vaccinated, but would you be wearing a mask in Biloxi, Mississippi? I think there would be a good reason to do that. I mean, because there, as we've said so often, that vaccines are not even as good as they are and highly effective. Nothing is 100%. And if you put yourself in an environment in which you have a high level of viral dynamics and a very low level of vaccine, you might want to go the extra step and say, when I'm in that area where there's a considerable degree of viral circulation, I might want to go the extra mile to be cautious enough to make sure that I get the extra added level of protection, even though the vaccines themselves are highly effective. Now, there's a lot of rhetorical sleight of hand there, but the one I want to point out is that Anthony Fauci has now equated a low vaccination rate broadly in a city or a state with a high level of viral circulation. Those two things are not completely unrelated, theoretically, but in reality, they are actually totally unrelated. Because vaccinated people in a town 200 miles outside of Biloxi, Mississippi, 
has no bearing whatsoever on your safety while attending a weekend barbecue in Biloxi. Vaccine rates do not indicate viral circulation. Okay? He is assuming that people will put it together in their heads from the way he's saying it, that if you are in a place with a low vaccine rate relative to communist places, then you are automatically in a place with a high viral circulation. That is simply not true. Cases are basically at their lowest point throughout the entire time. Not that cases matter, but we're told they do, right? So even on their logic, what he's saying doesn't make any sense. You can't get a disease from someone who doesn't have the disease. Okay, this is even beyond asymptomatic spread. We're talking about people who don't have it. You're not going to get it from them. That's impossible. So the Nazi doctor just told people who are fully vaccinated that they might want to wear a mask around other people just because they're in a place that has a low rate of vaccination relative to the communist strongholds. That's what he just said. That's maniacal. That is fear-based. That is him lying about the science. The man who claims himself to be the science is clearly lying about the science and what the science would suggest. And he's encouraging people to wear their masks anyway so that they can go around acting like they know the science the best. The guy is insane. If you can't tell he's a liar by now, you don't have a brain. And if your double dose vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting a disease from people who don't have it while wearing a mask that doesn't work, something's wrong. Okay. Every single communist in the world should be awake to Anthony Fauci by this point. This is ridiculous. And hey, commie, here's the thing. Okay. I know you held on. I know you really put your back into it. I know you did all the work so that you could believe as hard as you were told to that all the slogans were true. And you have guided your life by those slogans. Okay? I know what you've put into it. I know you've called people stupid and crazy and uncaring about the lives of others, particularly your grandmother or even better, someone else's. Someone's grandmother who you will never meet. You have done everything you can to protect them while not changing your behavior at all. Except when you're in places where you want to show your virtue. Go out to a store, got to throw that mask on. Why? Because you are better than everyone else there and you want them all to know it. Okay? We get it, Kami. We all get it. We all see it. There is not one person on our side that is confused about what you're doing. Okay? There is no one that that behavior works on anymore. We all think you're insane and a coward and a communist and someone who would happily seize authoritarian power to our detriment. That is who you are displaying yourself to be, Kami. Enough. Okay? Enough. We all see you. We all know who you are. You are now in the minority. You are not doing this from a position of strength, and you never were. Come to grips with reality, Kami, and stop it. Okay? It doesn't matter. Admit you were wrong. Own it. People will forgive you. Okay? The cultural forces are powerful. We all understand it. But you know the truth. Stop lying about the truth and stop displaying your authoritarianism so other people will bow down to it. You are going to lose. I promise you. 
There is no outcome that benefits you anymore, Kami. Okay? That's why I make fun of you at the beginning of every show. All right? You got your little pretend win back in November. It has been all loss after loss after loss after loss after loss ever since. You were told you did the right thing. You were patted on the back by your betters. And you went around claiming that you would save the world by electing a man who was mentored in politics by a Klansman, a man who cannot think in complete sentences, a man who is completely compromised by our greatest adversaries in the world, a man who has sold his political office for five decades. That is what you did. You all pat yourselves on the back for it. You got some plaudits from your betters. And you thought your job was done. Your job is not done. We all see you. It's been nothing but L's. There is no outcome anymore that benefits you, Kami. You think you're holding on to your job? You think you're protecting your family by putting the country's future in the hands of that man? Stop. Stop it. We all see you, okay? There's no more hiding. You can quarantine yourself inside your tiny communist bubble where all your friends will tell you that you're doing the right thing. But even some of them are on our side now. There is no outcome, Kami. The more you proclaim to the world that you are a communist, that you repeat the slogans, that you hate America, that you're, you are on board with the global communist project, this is all simply because you believe that when those people take power, when you help their ascent to power, you will come out on the good side. You will be safe. We all see you. Every one of us. We see you, Kami. Come back to reality as fast as you can. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parlor at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. 
The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!